medicine、uh, should always come the second. Food always comes the first. And if you're a good doctor, you should know how to heal your patient with food first. If that's not sufficient, then you use herbal formulas. You use the medicine. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of Dharma Talk. I'm your host Henry Winslow, and this is episode number seventy-three. Dharma Talk community, we have some major changes coming down the pike for the podcast. As early as next week, and if not then, then the week after, you're going to hear a refreshed sound and improved quality of audio streaming into your earbuds. So please keep coming back, checking back for new episodes because improvements are on the way. But for now, let's focus on this week's episode. My guest this week is Zoe Gong. Zoe is a traditional Chinese medicine practitioner and clinician. She specifically focuses on the dietary side of TCM. So she specializes in TCM cuisine, herbalism, moxa, and holistic food therapy. In this episode, she breaks down just how she wound up where she is today. Serving her clients and teaching others about the benefits of this approach to nutrition, and it started from an early age. She grew up in China and was immersed in this lifestyle, this way of eating, treating food as medicine. And it wasn't until she moved to the U.S. as a teenager for high school that she appreciated just how beneficial that way of life really was. Upon Taking an American diet, she faced some very severe health problems, including breast tumors, digestive issues, knee pain. The list goes on, and she talks all about that and the turmoil that she faced emotionally and physically. Her own personal experience with healing took her off the course of the Western clinical approach toward her roots, back to traditional Chinese medicine. So she shares on this podcast episode the key differences between Western clinical and Eastern traditional approaches to nutrition and medicine at large. She talks about using TCM herbs and natural supplements to regulate hormonal imbalances and feel better in daily life, and she leaves us with some advice about pairing foods of a particular energy, which is one of the qualities that TCM looks at in food. With a matching yoga practice to create a specific effect in the mind-body continuum, all of that is coming up very soon. Please just stay tuned through these announcements, and we'll dive into my interview with Zoe Gong. New York City yogis, this Sunday, August twenty-fifth, I'm teaching a handstanding workshop for all levels. If you're new, I will help you overcome the fear of going upside down and getting on your hands. And more experienced inverters. I've got drills and progressions for you to clean up your aesthetic, clean up your line, and explore new shapes. This is all happening at Lighthouse Yoga School from two to four p.m. And you can sign up at henrywins.com/events. I also have Rocket Yoga Master Classes lined up at Pure Yoga West in New York City, and travel dates set for Austin and Dallas, Texas, and Richmond, Virginia. So please check out the details for all these events and come join me. I would love to meet you in person. The details are at henrywins.com/events. Yogis everywhere! I am also excited to announce that this December, my wife Veronica and I will be leading a yoga retreat to the Indonesian island of Bali. Our week together in Bali will offer you the perfect environment to refocus on what's calling you, your purpose, your perfect path, your dharma, so that you can move forward with renewed vigor into growth and service to others. The dates for the retreat are December fifth through eleventh, seven days and six nights. Each day we'll have two yoga classes and a group meditation. We'll start the mornings in silence, and of course there will be three delicious plant-based meals every single day. We've also got excursions planned into the island and some more surprises. So if you're interested, head on over to henrywinds.com/bali to get the details and make a deposit. Once again, that's henrywinds.com/bali. B-A-L-I. Let's clear space for reconnection together. 
What's your purpose? What's your vision? What mark will you leave on this planet long after you're gone? I'm Henry Winslow, and you're listening to Dharma Talk, the only podcast where I interview inspirational yogis on how they're changing the world in their own unique ways. Whether you're still searching for your purpose or already walking the path, I hope these stories get you excited to live your dharma. Hello, Dharma Talk community, and welcome back to another episode. Today, I'm very excited to bring on my friend, Zoe Gong. Zoe is a traditional Chinese medicine practitioner and dietitian in New York City. She specializes in TCM cuisine, herbalism, moxibustion, or moxa, and holistic food therapy. Zoe, I'm very excited to have you on. This will be the first kind of conversation in this arena that we've had on the show, and I can't wait to hear more about what you do. So how are you feeling today? Thank you, Harry. I'm, I'm very happy to be here, and I feel good. I, you know, a little, I'm very busy these days because I'm flying back to China tonight, um, so I have to get everything ready, but otherwise, not bad. That's good to hear. And I'm sure for not only for your line of work, but also um, because this this uh, this whole system is so critical to your lifestyle and um, and the way that you share with others that it's it's important for you to go back to China every now and then. Right. Thank you. Yes. Yes, totally. And, you know, in China, TCM, traditional Chinese medicine is really just a lifestyle even if you know someone's not necessarily say interested or pay attention to it, but it's just embedded in our lives and even in our language, and I found that really charming. And every time I go back, there are always you know a lot to learn from different practitioners, and the herb stores are amazing. So yeah, I'm very excited to go back and and see what's going on now. Well, before we dive into this topic, this wide, uh, wide-ranging, broad topic of, of traditional Chinese medicine, first, yeah. I would like to ask you the same question that I ask all of my guests, mm-hmm. which is, what does the word Dharma mean to you? And what is your Dharma as you understand it today? Um, I think Dharma means really kind of, for me, a, a calling in my life. I there's um an energy and attraction that I think for me and that is really you know the word I guess healing I always wanted to be a healer and it relates to me in every parts of every part of my life I want to heal others but at the same times to myself as well I had a lot of health problems and with this calling everything seems to come together because there is also the law of attractions when you have a calling in life everything tends to fall uh, in place and and that for me is uh, the medicine the arts of healing and I guess and Dharma is such a really, you know, it's a huge word. And when I think of that word, there's an image of um, the the calling from the gods of healing. That's the mm-hmm. image that, you know, pops up in my, in my head. And that's what it means to me. Well, you mentioned that you, you know, your calling at this point is, is healing others, but that it started by this need to heal yourself. What was your yes. introduction to, to traditional Chinese medicine? Uh, and early on, were you, were you immersed in it or was it something that you were exposed to as an option versus the Western medicine that many of our listeners are more accustomed to? Right. So the first exposure is definitely just my culture for traditional Chinese medicine. As I said, it's just in our lives. You know, I grew up eating uh, jujube dates, goji berries, lily bob, those medicinal foods without knowing 
knowing they're healthier than some other foods, but you know, I didn't necessarily know they're part of the medicinal cuisine. Uh, I just grew up eating it, and I grew up with my grandparents, not with my parents. So they would just constantly uh, massage themselves, press on some certain uh, pressure points, and tell me a lot of the eating uh, dietary rules um, that they grew up with, like no ice water um, and, and things like this. So this is, I guess, my first uh, not official not too official uh, exposure and then my health problem really actually started when I first came to the U.S. um, seven years ago. I was a high school student, knew nothing about eating healthy um, and I had this you know huge huge diet change from the Chinese foods, the medicinal foods in my diet to completely mostly processed uh, meat heavy sweets heavy uh diet and i remember the first day i was here it was a boarding school and i had cream cheese and blueberry bagel i had no idea what they were (laughs) um but i had them i was like wow i want to have these things and for the rest of my life I think just how the, you know the processed food here is really designed to trick your brain to be addicted to it. It's perfect balance of fat, sugar, and salt. So you know I had a lot of um, uh, junk food in quotation marks um, for my for the first time in my life. And I just after a couple of months, half a year, my body started to become pretty sick. So I I had, you know, two breast tumor because probably from the hormones of the meat and the stress of this new environment. Um, and uh, my knees were hurting. I could hear my knees when I was work, walking, partly because I was also doing a bit of horseback riding. Um, and just bad digestion, you know, um, and a lot of uh, skin rashes, as well um and and i I remember i had to go to the hospital two three times a a month to get steroids to stop the skin rash so all all these just kind of happened all together and i was very worried of course i didn't know what to do and i gained a lot of weight as well so just mentally and physically it was a stressful time and you're in high school, you know, so yeah. all these. So you have changed. all the emotional stress too. <laughs> yeah. Um, Can I pause you but, for a second? Yeah, of course. At this point, did you have any idea why that was happening? Had you put two and two together to realize that potentially the diet change had something to do with it? At first, no, but very quickly, yes. I, you know, after a while, I started to look online as most people will do see what's going on and I read things about nutrition and in diet I said oh I think this might be it so um but first of all you know I had to uh deal with the the breast tumor that I I found in my on my breast so my my family uh, took me to a western doctor to get it fixed so I was on these uh, hormones, estrogen and progesterone, and I had the surgery to take it out. Unfortunately, unfortunately it, it they were um, benign tumors, so not cancer. But uh, I had all those Western treatment. I was on those uh, estrogen thing for uh, years, two years, even after I, I I take out the tumor because I think the surgery kind of messed up my hormone a little bit. So I had very irregular periods. So I had also had to take those, uh, continue taking these uh, hormones. And then um, for the skin rash, that's something at that time I was worried. That worries me. That worried me the most, even more than the tumor, because as a girl, you don't you don't want to you know have your skin look red and itchy all the time. So I. But the steroids, you know, I did a little research on my own. At the time, I and I know it's very bad, so I started to look into 
some just online articles about how I can make it better. So it seems like um, diet, right? Uh, no, no, no sweets, no processed food. That's what I learned. So I really started to uh, change my diet um, at the same time of all these Western treatments. I I switched from red velvet cake to no cake from uh let's say general's house chicken to uh chicken breast those um and from you know chocolate milk to greek yogurt those very general generic diet change i felt a little bit better but still all the symptoms were, were there and the skin rash was still there um and and then i read an article you know written by um, a more holistic nutritionist about um cutting out dairy and really cutting out meat and also talk to the Western doctor. They say there might be hormones in the meat. Uh, so they also recommend to eat less. Um, but at the same time, they really wanted me to gain weight. I did not even, I did not understand why. I think they put the standards of the Western BMI on me. So I had to still have to gain weight, even though I already gained 10 pounds extra, you know, from my normal weight. But um, so I decided to listen to the nutritionist online. Um, I started to cut out dairy, eat less meat, and I felt significantly better. You know, after just three weeks of cutting out dairy, my skin rashes were completely gone. And my, my skin was even better than before when I was in China, when I was, you know, also consuming dairy. So at that moment is the moment really led me to believe the power of food. Even though it it was from a Western uh, standing point, but still, I was I remember I was thinking, wow, this is really really magical. Just by cutting out dairy, I was able to heal myself, um, and that's really after that I, I I got really interested in the power of food, and I decided to um, study nutrition for college. And to really understand how food can can help, um, but um, you know, still in college and first two years of um, college at New York University, I was eating healthy, but not necessarily uh, traditional Chinese medicine ingredients. Um, I was trying everything a normal um, white American girl. Sorry, I didn't mean to take out white, but <laughs> the <laughs> normal uh, uh, American will eat, um, you know, juice generation, you know, uh, juice press, those uh, juice cleanses, smoothies, salads. Right. You're trying to eat felt, healthy. Yes. Trying to eat healthy for uh-huh. sure. I, I felt much, much better. Um, uh, no skin issues. Um and digestion got better and I lost the weight that I gained. But you know, there's still this hormone imbalance in me that was not cured. I was I had still had to take all the hormones, otherwise my period just will be really, really uh irregular. Um so um but you know, I was sitting in nutrition and I didn't come back to me yet you know the medicinal foods that I was eating in china i didn't i didn't realize that yet um so um and then at the same time i had the knee issues remember but that i i healed part with food but the other part was yoga i got to take yoga classes in the city and i didn't take yoga trying to fit my knee issues i i took it trying to kind of just try it out because it was so popular um, but it magically just healed my knee. I had no idea how that happened, but um, that's also <laughs> the moment when I, I, f- I fell in love with yoga. I was not uh, athletic at all. I don't. I won't say I am now either. But um, uh, you know, trying yoga and having it heal my knee really um, made me realize the importance of um, doing something with my body being active through yoga through dancing through some weight training and it's very very important i I, and i really 
love it now. I do yoga regularly and well, of course, I agree with you 100% that yoga is, is very helpful and important um, for for healing the body. But so I, I'm curious where, okay, where did traditional Chinese medicine nutrition come back into the picture for you after having been exposed to it as a, as a young child and then now having this renewed, uh, invigorated interest in nutrition and its ability to heal? Yes, yes, I'm getting there. Sorry, this is such a long story. Oh, okay. um, Sorry. Yes, uh, Chinese medicine. So, you know, that's like the first like two years of college, I was still taking uh, estrogen hormones um, and then did not really uh, think of traditional Chinese medicine again. But um, because my family, going back to my family, they know somehow hormone, Western medicine can be harmful to the body so this one summer one summer this after the second year of college when i was in shanghai um my my parents took me to see a chinese doctor for acupuncture so that was the first time i had acupuncture and i just still remember the feeling when the needle goes into your body and i could feel something i never felt before it's just this flow of something going through this needle and I thought it was very interesting at first and then after a couple of treatment I could feel a significant difference in my body um, I can feel my my skin tone looks better like pink and, and healthier and um, after this entire summer of treatment um, my parents let me to stop uh, estrogen for, for those summer months. And my period actually got back and much better um, in terms of the, um, the, the colors and the, uh, of the blood and all that. And at that time, I was like, wow, this is very interesting. And I started to look into... Um, medicinal cuisine, traditional Chinese medicine foods, because I study nutrition and I intern with chefs. So I'm always interested in the food aspect of uh, any medicine, I think. So uh, I started looking into it, just reading a little bit, and I was just really, really fascinated by it. There's so much that I learned, and, and it really reminds me of what my grandparents was doing when I was young. I started to notice all the medicinal foods I was able to eat in, in China daily, just in regular dishes in a restaurant. The chicken broth um, and, you know, a lot the the berries, uh, the tea. And at that time, I that's really when I started to... Um, kind of want, wanting to dedicate my life. I don't know how that came to me, but it just like, I was like, oh, I want to do this for the rest of my life. I want to study more about Chinese medicine and see how I can infuse what I've learned in Western medicine um, with uh, the um, TCM things. Um, so, but at that time I was still studying, this is just a thought of my mind. I haven't really done anything, um, official with it. I was just reading here and there and try to add, um, a little bit tea and more, uh, of the Chinese, uh, superfoods, I would say, um, and into my diet slowly, but that was not anything, you know, official. I didn't even tell anybody that I was doing this. But then, you know, the third year of college, I graduated. Um, I graduated in three years. So I then I got into an internship for registered dietitian. And that's the and that requires me really to go into the hospital and work. And that I, I will call a traumatizing experience. Oh, wow. I Why? felt so depressed in the hospital. As a dietitian, I was feeding patients all the foods that made me sick. Mm. I was feeding them burgers, fries, fried uh, chicken, um, you know, and- Why? Just, just because that's what the hospital provided? 
most hospitals unfortunately still have just those really horrible foods and these are not even the gourmet version of a burger it's the most most basic processed burger and all the desserts i remember i was working in kitchen shift i was preparing dessert all i did was scooping out a can a uh, scooping out pudding from a big can to a plastic cup that's dessert and fruits tends to be canned fruits and it's just just horrible not tasty and not healthy and, and this is happening at a place was, that's supposed to be nursing people back to health exactly and that was not uh, an individual case um, a lot of the hospitals are like that right now and i was just very depressed and, and then uh, other than the food what i was doing is I would think, you know, I, I imagine I would talk to patients and I would tell them how, about healthy eating. But no, I was just sitting in front of a computer reading the notes and charts written by other medical teams like uh, the doctor and the nurses. And then I write out a note for the patient to calculate their daily needs of calories, proteins, and, 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 and basically assign them uh, a meal it can be either be regular or heart healthy which i don't think it's heart healthy at all or diabetics which are, we, we call it consistent carb but still you know it's fries and burgers they just come out in a more consistent uh a timing um and it's it's just felt so wrong to me um, well it was in complete then, contrast to your own personal experience with your complete, own health Exactly. And at that time, I really kind of started to question Western nutrition a little bit because the number for everyone is the same. How is that possible? It's just based on the difference. It's really just based on your medical condition and your weight, uh, basically your BMI. And I'm not even sure BMI, if BMI is a complete, uh, the, it's the best calculation method for me. Yeah. Just numbers of numbers of numbers. And in reality, I know those numbers don't sometimes don't translate at all. And in food, the calorie, I don't know how accurate that can be. Protein content, uh, the vitamin uh, content, but it can change uh, due to cooking and all that. So uh, at that time, I started, I was really questioning what I was doing. And I personally just felt terrible in the hospital, not being able to move. I was sitting down in front of the computer all the time. And the conversation with my colleagues were uh, disappointing too. I was uh, thinking about a lot of conversation around uh, healthy foods, how to prepare it, how to teach others about it. But more, it's just purely based on numbers. Um, I, I, yeah, I was really disappointed um, there. And this is what clinical nutrition looked like, you know. Um, I, 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 I was kind of shocked um, and sad. So at that moment, I, I say to myself, um, I question if Western nutrition is uh, the the path I want to go because I was also thinking about going to uh, Columbia for masters in Western nutrition. But after the hospital, I completely changed. I say I want to see and study what. Uh, Chinese medicine can offer in terms of food therapy, especially, um, and and see how I can combine both together. So um, I started to apply for TCM schools um, and got into Pacific College of Oriental Medicine to study um, the Master of Oriental Medicine there. Um, and I started to read a lot. All the old books on food therapy I could get, I started to read because there is really no resource here in New York City for me to learn about it. And the more I read, the more fascinated I got. Um, the, the diet uh, concept that they had thousands of years ago is so relevant for today about, you know, motivation uh, moderation about uh, food as medicine. The doctor, my my, the doctor I admire the most, Miao Sun, um, from I think uh, a thousand years ago in China, and he already said 
medicine, uh, hard medicine. He means like herbal formula, which is considered really a hard mess, hard、uh, medicine in TCM.、Uh, should always come the second. Food always comes the first. And if you're a good doctor, you should know how to heal your patient with food first. If is that's not sufficient. Then you use herbal formulas.、Mm. You use the medicine to to assist. I was like, this is so correct. Right, and and this is so counter to everything that's happening in Western hospitals. Right, I mean, in in the、yes. West Western paradigm of medicine, everybody wants the the silver bullet, the quick pill to solve all of their problems, so that they can continue with their own convenience and routine of eating whatever they want, but. This、yes. has, you know, it's show, it's becoming more and more abundantly clear that that system doesn't work because these、yes. these pills all have side effects and medication、oh, comes、yes. with its own set of consequences. Exactly right. What are what are some of the other like? Can you break down quickly in in a framework? Sort、yeah. of what is the what are the other main differences between? The Eastern approach and Western approach to medicine, and I know that's a big question, but just、uh, like a survey. Sure. Yeah.、Um, well, uh, this uh, they're completely different. I think the Eastern medicine is、uh, very holistic. They they views a human body in a holistic way, not in compartments. So what. Eastern medicine is treating at least traditional Chinese medicine is a a root cause cause and maybe one of your 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 deficient your imbalances that's what I would say the Chinese medicine is healing an imbalance in your body that causes many other problems such as for example di diabetes. We don't treat diabetes, but we treat an imbalance, let's say, in your kidney system that causes that manifests itself as diabetes. But in Western medicine, you really just treat the surface. A person can have、uh, diabetes and have a,、um, a heart disease,、uh, and you treat them individually. But those are really superficial manifestations of a deeper problem, and only by.、Uh, Targeting these、uh, symptoms and viewing people as compartments, the the treatment can be effective short term, but it will not heal the root causes. That's the first difference.、Mm -hmm. And secondly,、um, uh, Eastern medicine, traditional Chinese medicine, I think is、uh, very much food based with. Herbs,、uh, no chemicals at all. Basically, herbs, food, and even the、um, external、uh, treatments are more,、um, uh, I would say, natural. Using you know hands, right? The massage, and using your your breathing, just like pranayama、uh, in Indian medicine.、Uh, we use qigong and use tai chi,、uh, those really natural、uh, way of healing. That's the second difference,、right. and the third difference is,、um, I think,、um, just how.、Um, let me let me think how I can explain the third one.、Um, it's very intricate. I think、um, healing is really a, a lifestyle,、um, and the process of healing is also about the relationship of a traditional Chinese medicine doctor. To the patient, right? When a doctor see the patient,、um, he look at this patient as a whole person from the tongue, the eyes, and ask a lot of questions. And the patient come back to the same doctor、um, to tell him what's going on. There's a relationship that's forming by the touches of pulses、uh, instead of medical charts by um, uh, The、um, prescription of herbs and changed herbs according to the patient's individual needs is very individualized medicine. While in 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 Western medicine,、uh, the same pill is used for a lot of people, and、um, there's a lot of、uh, all the problem is manifested in numbers in in charts by a machine, and then second handed to a doctor to see what's going on. 
But I think in NTCM, it's very direct. The doctor is the the first point of diagnosis, right? Uh, through a very um, wide range of um, method of diagnosis, touch, even smell, look, hear, and all by the hands of the doctor, him or herself. So I think those are the three main differences I can think of right now. Okay. Thanks, thanks for breaking that down. Yeah. And let's go a little mm-hmm. bit more specific now. Um, looking yeah. at tra- traditional Chinese medicine's perspective on food, how does that differ mm-hmm. fundamentally from the way that Western nutrition considers food? You know, you, you mentioned a little bit about your time at the hospital as a dietitian and prescribing people diets based on calorie intake and like relative weighting of protein and fat and carbohydrates. What, what does traditional Chinese medicine say about the different qualities of food? Okay. Yeah. I have a lot to say on this. So feel free to stop me when it gets <laughs> okay. wrong. <laughs> That's what I uh, study and passionate about. So yeah, when, how people look food in East and West is quite different, at least traditionally, you know, traditional, um, kind of perspective. So in in China, food. When we look at food, we think about we don't think really think about calories or uh, vitamins, minerals. We do think about the energetics. Is it hot, cold, cool, or warm? Um, the uh, meridian that it goes into and how to pair those food with each other. Um, and uh, this is very different. For example, let me give you an example. Let's say if this is a really uh, cold day in winter a chinese person will look at lamb and he or she will say oh i should probably eat that lamb because it's so cold so so cold outside and because lamb you know is known for its warming property even though people know nothing about uh, tcm they will know that lamb is warming it is really in the culture but in in here you look at lamb you'll never think about that you probably think about uh, the protein content of it is high because it is meat, animal meat, um, and uh, how much calorie it has. If you, depending on if you are, you know, want to maintain your weight and whatsoever. So I think that's the first difference is the way that foods is looked at, and secondly, in terms of uh, treatment, I will say the Chinese one is much much more individualized um we first categorize uh, people in nine uh, depending on nine different kinds of body types and then um depending on what body type you have uh, what concerns you have uh, food therapy is very uh, much about you about what you like to eat uh, what you're uh, able to to get in your region what what's seasonal um, the seasonality of it is, is the third one I'm going to talk about. But the second one, individuality. And here, uh, when I treat patients, let's say, with Western nutrition, it will mostly about the numbers of macros, right, macronutrients that you, you should get uh, in a diet. Um, while in, in Chinese medicine, we never talk about those numbers. We talk about the body type and um, what kind of food is of the patient's preference and how they can make a meal really a lot of rest teaching of recipes those hands-on things but here is as long as you can read a nutrition label um, you can get a um, you know a, a prescription from a nutritionist yeah and the third one is uh, seasonality TCM foods are really, really about the season. There are 24 seasonal points or solar terms. And for each one, there are different guidance of foods um, uh, that is beneficial for the body during that period of time. For example, uh, yesterday it was Li Qiu. Um, I think that the, the um, I don't know how to say that in English, but it kind of means the start of autumn is going to, autumn is going to start. And, um, you know, the transition of season. So uh, you should eat, start to eat less cooling things um, like what you will eat uh, in the summer. You should eat, start to get more moistening foods, some lily bobs, 
uh, going and some uh, egg, uh, eggplant, some of the last summer melons to stay hydrated um, and, and things like this. But in Western nutrition, I don't really see the conversation around seasonal seasonality or how uh, your nutrition should change um, according to seasonal changes. Um, there are, you know, the farm to table movement, I think is great. It brings some of the seasonalities back. But in clinical sense, in the nutrition textbooks, I, I don't see any mentioning about uh, the change of diet according to the change uh, of nature. Um, it can, you know, it's basically the same all year, all year around. And I don't think that is, at least for me, uh, make the most sense. Um, right. I mean, what you're describing makes makes total sense. And I think in in the Western paradigm, like the closest thing you see to that is respecting the seasonality of natural crop cycles, like because mm-hmm. people want to eat fresh oh, yes. foods that are local, because that generally means they're less processed and treated with pesticides and that sort of thing. But to me, I, I mean, I'm totally with you on the logic that our bodies probably need different things to accommodate for the external environment like yes that obviously has effect on the way that we operate yes it, for, like here right as you said i love uh, the farmers bark union screw farms are beautiful um the farm to table room movement is even better than china sometimes i think but um the seasonality is only on those fresh produce as you said but uh, the seasonality also you know, works with dried foods. So, for example, um, let's say a black sesame, it would be particularly great for you in the winter month. Um, just examples like this, you know, dried mm-hmm. foods and foods that really are here year-round, there is, there is a better season for you to eat them. And also tea as well, ginger, turmeric lattes, are not necessarily the best for the summer when you can already be heated. Um, yeah, so examples like this. And um, I find it really interesting also on the topic of supplements. People take so many supplements here. I have patients who tell me you will take 60 pills every day, different kinds of supplements. And the supplements here are really marketed to make it sound like it, it fit everybody and you should take uh, a lot and they're really, really uh, beneficial and all that. But um, in, in China, the culture is really not like this. If you want a supplement, if you want to buy some herbs for yourself in herb stores, you won't be able to do it. They won't sell it to you unless you really talk they you really talk to the doctor and see which one fits you the best. And the doctor usually tweak the supplement formula a little bit, depending on your body type to make it really fit you. Um, I see. Yeah. So the, and, and that's after exhausting all of the options with just regular food. Oh, yeah. And exactly for herbs. Um, but supplements, what we call booping, replenet, uh, translating literally is called replenishments. That's how we call it. Oh, so this is different from herbs. Dif- different from herbs. So those are, are still okay. herbs, but those herb formulas are very, very mild uh, for uh, general health, but for a short time. Take, you don't drink those herbs for a long time. You just take a short time to, uh, for example, strengthen immunity. I wouldn't call that a, uh, a medicine. It's more like a supplement concept, right? For example, for uh, the winter month, somebody wants to uh, take a short uh, period of a short period of time to use to strengthen immunity to get ready. Then there is an herb formula for that. Uh, that's the um, idea of supplements. I I think in in TCM. Um, Yes, and most of the supplements are still in food formed. No, no um, pill. Oh, there are, you know, because of the Western influence now, but most of them are still in, in food form. For example, the chiu li gao, a um, pear paste, medicinal pear paste uh, made from autumn pear, uh, is considered a supplement um, that you will add to a porridge, you add to hot water to make a sweet tea. 
Um, and also there's, you know, uh, it's, a, it's a dessert, medicinal dessert, but it's not considered as regular food. People wouldn't just order that in a restaurant. It's more of a medicinal <laughs> dessert um, that yeah. ladies, women will eat for their periods, uh, for, for beauty and things like that. Okay. So, so far we have that in, in TCM food yes. is like that. In, in terms of its thermal properties, mm-hmm. is it hot, cold, cool, or warm? It's got a meridian or organ pairing. Yes. The whole approach is personalized to the person's body type yes. and to the seasonality yes. of the current external environment. Mm-hmm. Is that are there are there more? Uh, yeah, there are more. Um, so, uh, oh, and also the the view of supplements, right? Different, and then uh, the cooking methods. Uh, the way the way we see cooking method is different in tcm uh, uh, cooking methods are very impo- important because it can change the energetics of the food it can change um the uh, the chi of you um if for example steaming and slow stewing the food can transmit very different energy for that while here, cooking method is not part of, I would say, nutrition necessarily. Maybe not cooking some too long so you don't lose too much vitamins, which I think is the similarity between Eastern and West here. To say yeah, it's like, do you cook languages. it or do you not cook it at yes, all? Yes, Because <laughs> so there's like the whole raw food movement. Right, right, exactly. Um, but um, in China, it's more about, let's say, steaming and uh, baking. Those are all, you know, not raw, but they're very different um, and this cooking method is also in the food therapy uh, prescription um, or, or, or counseling. Food method is recommended for different food, preparing method is recommended for different patients. And here it's not necessarily for, for you know, healing. It's more for the flavors of the food. And also, as you said, when it comes to raw or not, um, uh, and speaking of raw, I think you might have heard that Chinese people don't like raw foods. We think it is uh, not the best for our body. Um, and on that, I, I think some raw food is, is good, like salads, raw vegetables and fruits have a lot, a lot of uh, nutrients in them. Um, and I so for me, my standing point is really here is really a, a, a a, um, a one that integrates both East and West. I often recommend to my patients, you know, depend, of course, depending on their body types, but in general, if you're a healthy person, then maybe 30% raw foods each meal is a good idea. While in China, you, in some places still, it can still be difficult to even find a salad. Everything is cooked because we believe that uh, is the best for our um, digestive system. I see. Well, so it makes perfect sense that you would be able to come up with an ideal plan that that works for your patients because you took the time to study in the Western side and and see for yourself. You know, it wasn't just that you automatically gravitated toward the Eastern approach because that was your background. You actually weighed both sides and and came to a conclusion based on your own experience yes so i think that's that you have something unique to offer because of that yes and i really love it and i think it's necessary to let more people know and also back to healing myself um so the the hormones right the acupuncture and after i started to study i i really started to experiment on myself um about taking some herbs to uh cure or help with my uh, menstruation problems. And uh, it's so helpful. I'm not on any uh, hormones now, but I can still get um, very regular periods and no PMS. I thank all that to um, Chinese herbs. And I, of course, I'm very, you know, devoted in taking those herbs. I take them every day. um, and they are so helpful and no side effects I, I if, if you, you take it correctly. And um, yeah, I just don't need those hormones anymore. I was very happy and that really makes me uh, 
really motivates me to let more people know about um, traditional Chinese medicine, herbs, and foods, and how everybody can incorporate them in their daily lives to make themselves feel better. Um, that's is what I really, really want to do now. Well, there are two questions that I really want to make sure that we that we touch on sure. before we say goodbye. Mm-hmm. First one is, how has this whole approach to healing worked with your understanding of yoga? You, you touched briefly on how yoga became important to you in movement, but how are you combining these these two things now? And do they feel like like integratable practices? Definitely. Yoga is, you know, a mind-body practice and what you eat affects the mind, the physical, and uh, those eating and yoga definitely goes hand in hand. I think there is a term called like yogi foods, um, you know, those uh, uh, healthier, um, a lot of Indian uh, Ayurvedic ingredients that you associate with yoga um, um, and in, in TCM, I think it definitely works the same way. There are certain foods um, that, that calms you down. Let's say if you want to do um, a quiet yoga practice, you could eat, let's say, a dried longan tea to calm your mind and you might get a better practice with those teas. And there's, I, I will say definitely a, a lot of uh, connections because both things are about mind and body, what you eat affects uh, you as a whole person, affects your yoga practice. And I, I think after I, you know, um, uh, eat uh, according to the TCM philosophy, I, I sometimes feel better um, during a certain yoga practice. But mm-hmm. there's, of course, yoga is not a TCM tradition. <clears throat> we have Tai Chi and, and Qigong, which is, I think, share some similar similarities with yoga. But I think every everyone who does yoga can benefit from um, TCM foods, and certain teas you drink before and after, and, uh, and, and things like this. Yes. Excellent. And the other question that I want to ask you about is, you've spoken on your um, your private practice, we'll say, like treating patients by recommending mm-hmm. diets. But I know also that you host these uh, TCM dinners in New York City. Oh, yes. Talk to me about that. What, what is that all about? And, um, and why did you decide to do those? Yes. Um, so I started uh, the TCM dinners about a year ago. And I'm a bit tired because I, I had oh, I just hosted a dinner on, so on fifth season. Um, full course and I started because I really wanted to show those wonderful wonderful ingredients you can easily find in Chinatown easily available but nobody is using it or uh, in food which is the most accessible way for people to understand it is they're not just dried weird smelling things they can be so delicious and beneficial for you at the same time Uh, so my my initial goal is really to showcase it so more New Yorkers can understand. And then it really becomes uh, also a, um, um, a showcase of my culture, of the cuisine, a different face of Chinese food, and how I want to bring food into TCM. Because when you say TCM, sometimes it's acupuncture and a massage or herbs not necessarily the food as medicine pots, I think, here. Uh, and that's why I started. And it has been doing very well. And I'll give you an example. For the dinner I just hosted, for the season, we use Chinese mugwood, you know, the same ingredient as what you would use for moksa, the heat therapy. For moksa, you use the dried version to light it as an incense. But right now, we can get fresh mugwood. So I juice it, and I put it in a whole wheat uh, flour and made a ravioli with it and all those things how easy you can incorporate those uh, those food into the diet that that that's that can be very seasonal according to your body type um and and also visually it can be very beautiful uh, elegant a different aesthetics um an oriental aesthetics that i really love so i want to show all of those together and that's why i started table 81 
I think that's a really beautiful way to share and and to cultivate community. So good for you. That's, oh, yes, that sounds great. Yes. Thank you. And I hope next I'll be May Autumn Festival. September, you, in September. And you also have um you have a food and herbs weekend planned with Rose Aaron Vaughn, right? Yes, yes, yes. I I love uh Erin. She's wonderful and we really want to do something with yoga and uh you know TCM foods. So it will be on the twenty ninth and twenty 28th and 29th in Woodstock. So we'll have uh, 14 hours of learning in terms of herb and food, and we'll prepare a family dinner together, a medicinal dinner. And also there will be yoga components. Um, yeah, I think it'll be a really wonderful weekend to know everything, you know, the 101 on TCM uh, food therapy. Sounds amazing. Yeah, thank you, Harry. Okay, well, I think now is the perfect time to move on to the final section of this interview. I end all of the podcast episodes like this. It's called the prana round. Maybe for today, we should call it the chi round. Um, yes, chi round. But I'm going to ask you six rapid fire questions. Please answer in minimum one word, maximum one sentence. Okay. Oh, wow. It's a lot of pressure for an <laughs> English speaker. <laughs> okay. You'll do great, Zoe. Okay. In, okay. In one word, why do you practice? In one word. In one word, okay. why do you practice yoga? Uh, for the mind and body. Oh, shit. Wow. Sorry. <laughs> one word. Uh, wow. <laughs> this is really hard, Harry. Um, uh, um, I'll say uh devotion devotion okay what is your favorite yoga pose and why man bird of paradise um balancing uh-huh what is the single best cue or piece of advice that you've ever received normally i say from a yoga teacher but today what's the single best piece of advice you've ever received from any of your dietary teachers Hmm. Uh, it's definitely, again, balanced. That's the key. Hmm. Funny how that works out. It's the same. Right? <laughs> right? Recommend one book, either modern or ancient, for our audience. One word in one word. Oh no! It can be oh, it can okay. be the full title of the book. Yeah. Oh, um, there's a book called uh, "Between Heaven and Earth." It's a really great introductory book for traditional Chinese medicine. And also, okay, oh, great. oh, and also, please, Dao De Jing, please read it. The um the classic uh book for Taoism. It makes me feel so happy whenever I feel sad. I read it. I feel so happy. And it really okay. it's. It will help you to understand the medicine as well. Excellent. Okay. Yes. And next question is, is yoga for everyone? Of course. Yes. Last question. How can our audience get in touch with you and how can we support you in your dharma? So um, you can find me on Instagram. I share a lot of information. It's Zoe. Xing Yi Gong, Z O E Y X I N Y I G O N G. Um, and also, you can, I have, a, you know, um, events in the, in the city every month. Um, they can uh, find on my website or on Instagram. My website is the same uh, as my in Instagram, just at dot com in the end. Um, and also, I'm actually in the process of launching a website called Five Seasons, where I will share everything around traditional Chinese medicine. And it will not be from my perspective. It will be from perspectives of different professionals in the TCM world, both uh, in and out of China. Um, when that's up, um, I will let Henry know. And maybe you can help and share and so more people can 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 see how they can incorporate TCM in their lives. That sounds great. That sounds like a really valuable resource. And I think it's smart yes. of you to bring on lots of contributors so that it can really take off and help a lot of yes. people. Yes, I'm very excited for it. 
Well, thank you so much, Zoe, for um, sharing some of your time with me today on this last day of yours before you take off for a long flight to China. I really appreciate it. And I know that our listeners will too. So have a very safe trip. And I hope that you come back feeling refreshed and renewed to continue sharing. I will. Thank you so much, Harry. Have a wonderful day. Hey, Dharma Talk community. If you enjoyed this podcast and you haven't done so already, please hit the subscribe button right now. And if you'd like to show your support even more, leave me an honest review on iTunes or whatever podcast directory you listen on. You can also make a financial contribution to keep the show up and running, a donation at henrywins.com. And remember, I'm here to serve you. So if you have any questions or comments or ideas, you can always reach me on Instagram at henrywins. Otherwise, I'll speak to you next week. Keep living your dharma.